People always ask how I balance my family life with 400 shows a year. I'm just doing what I love with the people I love. It's my magic life. I like Wes Isley. I like everything about him. All right. Today's episode... um... Man, we've been looking forward to this one. We got a buddy of mine on here, Jason Palter. I met him, boy, seven years ago at a Magic Convention. And uh, awesome inventor, creator. He was lecturing there. He was selling all of his magic tricks that he created there. And he was the talk of the convention that year. And I befriended him, and we've been friends ever since. And um, I don't know. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Jason Palter. Hey, thanks, Wes. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, running around great, crazy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for thanks for being here, dude. Um, Jason, Jason's one of those people that uh, I've only seen you once my whole life, a three day weekend, but we've kept in touch after all those years, and uh, it's good I to know, have. When you think about it, it's strange, huh? How that works. But it's good to have friends, man. I, I don't. It doesn't matter how often we see each other, but we keep in touch with each other. And yep, um, yeah, absolutely. And one thing that helped was uh, Natalie liked you. You and Natalie hit it off, and um, uh, I'm not afraid no, to say on my podcast that uh, magicians are weird, man. Um, yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't weird to me. He didn't ask me how much I charged to uh, rent myself out as an assistant or anything weird like that. <clears throat> he was just really oh, nice. Good. <laughs> it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing when I hear stories like that. That this is what other magicians say. Uh, I thought you guys were absolutely lovely, and your daughter at the time was just just a few months old. So, uh, when was that? Wes, that was 2012, right? I think it was fall of 2012. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, the first convention I ever took Natalie to, we're walking around the dealer room, and this guy has this uh, big blue sponge on his ear, and um, it was in the shape of a tooth, and it's huge. I mean, it was bigger than a fist. And he's just yeah. walking around to every dealer and saying, do you like this? Do you like this? And people are like, what is it? It's my Bluetooth. <laughs> and that was his joke that he had to tell everybody. And that's how Natalie got introduced to magicians at a convention. And then... Um, Sadly, that's the norm. And, she did, and, she didn't, and Natalie, you didn't leave him at that point? <laughs> right? Oh, it got better. It got I better because we both, we both laughed at it. And then I got... Pulled in a different direction. A guy said, come here, Wes, let me show you something. And Natalie was talking to some guy, and I left Natalie for two seconds, which she sworn me never to do again at a magic convention. Yep. And um, I went over to a table to watch a guy do something. He wanted me to critique it or something. And Natalie came back. She said, Wes, we have to go. I said, what happened? (laughs) The guy just walked over to her from across the room, walked over to her and looked at her from her forehead to to her toes and back up again. And said, um, are you his assistant? Do you ever rent yourself out to other magicians? And it just... Wow. And Natalie's like, uh... No. I'm with him. Yeah. And wow. it just... It, and, you know, I can see both sides. You know? All right. Yeah, well, she is tall. She does fit in boxes. Do you ever do that? But it was the way he looked her up and down and... And, it, yep. yeah, it was creepy. It was creepy. And it's just one of those things where I was like, no, Wes, where are you? <laughs> Cause it's just, yeah, yeah, that was, that was weird. And it was one of my, it was 
one of my first time meeting other magicians. And I was just like, I'm glad you don't act like that, Wes. I, we would not be together if you did. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's interesting. Natalie, I apologize. Oh, no. It's you know brutal. what? You made That's up brutal. for it. Thank so. you. So sweet. Thank you. <laughs> but dude, uh, comedy magician, MC, corporate speaker. How long have you been doing magic? So I did my first paid show when I was, I got to think about this, I was about 10 years old. And uh, that was, so I'm a little bit older than that right now. So I've been doing this a long time, but professionally, before university, magic put me to university and that's, uh, that's what I started. And uh, just sort of really, I always sort of leaned more towards the comedic side. Always, when I was a kid doing this, I just, enjoyed, even before I was a magician, when I was younger, I just enjoyed making people laugh and being the class clown and doing silly stuff. Um, and then, yeah, and it just, that's just sort of how it started to focus. But what's interesting, as you mentioned off the top, as a, as a creator selling my stuff, a lot of my tricks are not comedy based, which is interesting. A lot of the releases that I do, but I sometimes put comedy spins on them for sure. Yeah, I've never seen a uh, comedy version of Third Degree Burn, but um, I'm sure it could be done. Right. Yeah, I'm sure it could be done. <laughs> right. We'll tell everybody what that's about later on when we get over to that stuff. But uh, yeah, so what about emceeing? How did how did you fall into the the MC thing from Magic? I yeah, you know what? I the first time I was an MC, I think I was in grade six, and I was emceeing the, the school uh, holiday concert, or Christmas concert, so many years ago. Uh, so I've always been, you know, like most. Performers, I'm just very comfortable speaking in front of a crowd, and and it was a number of years ago. It was a corporate event, and they weren't exactly sure how they saw me fitting in. So I was trying to sell them on the idea of magic, and then well, we don't know if we want a full show. And I think it just sort of came out. I said, well, why don't I be a ringmaster? Why don't I be a master of ceremonies? And they were sort of intrigued, and you know, it's one of those Bugs Bunny, uh oh, think fast, rabbits. You know, I had to think about it really quickly. How am I going to do this? And realized that I was just going to incorporate the two as a, sort of a magical MC um, and just host the event. Uh, so it, just, it, it exploded from there just, uh, just to go. And it was just another thing I hadn't really thought of doing. Wow. So, so what about uh, the corporate? What about corporate speaking? Do you? Uh, in the corporate speaking, I'd heard of a lot of magicians doing this. And it's the, the idea of just using the magic as a sales tool to help you promote you know, magicians doing a trade show booths or um, uh, team building or a, 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 a keynote speech or product launch. Same thing. So I just sort of encompass it all under corporate speaking. Okay. Because, you know, otherwise it just gets too, you know, the business card then turns into a double-sider, you know, if you list too many titles. So I just sort of say corporate speaking, and it's usually enough to intrigue people to say, well, well how does this sort of fit in? Uh, and uh, I did my first one. The first one I ever did was actually one of the largest ones I had ever done many, many years ago. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. I just really enjoyed combining the corporate message or whatever idea they wanted in with the magic, the comedy, the storytelling, and just sort of putting together a blend. So it wasn't just a boring speech, but it wasn't strictly a magic show either. It was a nice, careful blend of the two of them. And then, of course, customizing it, you know, as, as we often will do, customizing it to whatever the, uh, the client is looking for. Wow. Well, when I saw yeah. you, you were, you were headlining the, the, the event up there. You, were, you did uh, a lecture, you had your sales booth, and you also headlined the gala show. Yes. And it was, yeah. 
it was great. It was fantastic. I'm like, how do I? How have I never heard of this guy before? You were you were fantastic. It was awesome. Um, but brother, yeah, it was a lot of fun. But I didn't find out till years later that you did the voiceover and the actor stuff. How does that fit in? Yeah, I, again, as a performer, always sort of uh, did this stuff, and um, I was a ventri- I've been a ventriloquist also since I've been young, but don't really do a lot of it anymore, and so started doing some puppeteering and uh, hand demo work on TV, and then just sort of did some acting. So most of the acting I've done uh, has been uh, commercials. I actually did a film that would have been, um, there's a link for it, a five-minute short that won awards in, in the U.S. and in Canada called The Walking Man mm. uh, that was written and produced um, by another magician, Derek Selinger, a good friend of mine uh, in Calgary, uh, Alberta, up here in Canada. And uh, that was a lot of fun, and that did, that did, did, you know, did very well. But again, just a short film. And then the voiceover, the same sort of stuff, you know, put together a demo and just go out and do it. But unlike a lot of colleagues of mine who do that stuff, I don't do it full time, so it's sort of on the side. You know, Wes, I'm sure it's the same with people. You know, most actors are actually waiters, or they work in stores. They do the acting and the voice on the side. Uh, I've always done the magic on uh, uh, full time and the acting and the voice on the side. So at least I still get that performance-based stuff that I can do, and I just enjoy doing the character voices, the voiceover stuff. Um, it's fun. It's awesome. But again, it, 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 it's a similar area to performing, but totally different from the magic and the acting. Well, what, what was you know what's the line that uh, we're just we're actors playing the part of a magician? So that's what it is. Jean Eugene um, so Berdan did theaters. That's right. Yeah. And just doing um, I've done theater school since I've been younger. So uh, and I just translate that stuff I've, um, into you know commercials or on film stuff. Well, my publicist keeps trying to get me to go on auditions for uh, commercials and things, and I'm like, no, I'm a magician. I can't. I can't do it. I. I don't want to. I don't want to waste a day where I could be in the office booking a magic show. Um, you know what I mean? It's one of those things where, no, I'm good. I, I love what I do so much. I did acting in high school. Natalie directed plays in college and in high school, and she's she has a stage background as well, but. I just love the magic so much. I don't want to miss something by doing something else, you know? Yeah, it, 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 there, there's certainly something to be said about splitting yourself, dividing yourself into too many areas because you can't sort of be a master in one area. But And, and what you said is very true. It's, you know, wasting a day spending time because most of them are just auditions. Right. And, and a lot of no's until you finally start getting a few yeses. And you're right, thinking, gosh, during that no... I'd be home taking calls, working on a new routine, following up with clients, etc. There's definitely, there's definitely something to be said about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, with your voiceover work, do you do? I, I'm not trying to be silly. Please, I, I love you. I don't want to ever upset you. But do you do like silly cartoon voices? What kind of stuff do you do with the voiceover stuff? Is it just direct read, or how does that work? Both. It can be narration. It can be uh, uh, voiceovers, just simply for a commercial can be a simple tag, you know, uh, you know, at your local Home Depot, a simple thing at the end, or it can be absolutely animation for the cartoon type stuff. Um, uh, so it's just, it's, it's a variety of things. And I enjoy just like, <laughs> I just enjoy playing in front of a microphone. Um, as I guess all performers just enjoy playing on front of a stage or gosh, we're so vain just in front of a mirror. Right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> so, it doesn't matter. So many times I'm driving on the road and my hands just start flailing back and forth and Natalie looks at me, are you okay? 
I was working on a coin move, honey. I didn't have a coin in my hand. Yeah, I'm just, like, I just know that trick like, would work now. Yeah, I don't ask anymore. That's right, baby. You don't, you, you don't have to grab the steering wheel. I'm not having a seizure. I'm okay. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> so, anyway, um, when I got the call from Fool Us that they wanted me on, I immediately called you and said, hey, what am I in for? And you held my hand. You took care of me. I would not have gotten where I got without your help. And, dude, I owe you a big hug and a million thank yous. You you just yeah. – you told me everything that was that to be expected, like the, the behind-the-scenes stuff that I didn't know. Um, I did another friend's podcast today, and I said, you know, if my wife and daughter wasn't there, I would have missed out on so much more. Because you get there the night of the gig, they put you in a loading cell in the basement, just a holding room, for five hours with other magicians. You get on stage, you do your bit, and they ask you to leave the auditorium and go back to your room. So Natalie and Lana were able to fill me in. Okay, so when I won, did the Foolish logo show up behind me? Okay, so before me, did the curtain, did the curtain ever close? What, was the logo behind I could ask them questions. How did the other guys do? But for you, you were by yourself there. Your wife didn't go with you. Um, she did not. It, it must no, have been a I weird gig by yourself, man. It was. So I was on the year before you, season five finale. You were in season six, right? Seven. Season, oh, so I guess I was two years before. So I got the... Um, so it's... Yeah, it was strange. Now, the advantage that I have over, I think, a lot of magicians is I have a background in theater and performing. I'm not just a magician. My BA, my university degree, is from Ryerson University here in Toronto in radio and TV. So I'm used to being in the studio. I'm used to cameras. I'm used to the things. So it was still, don't get me wrong, it was very daunting to be up there with, uh, what are there, nine cameras or something on that shoot. But I was able to take a lot of it in, um, but I was alone. So I'm so glad that I was able to translate some of that to help you because you're right you get off the stage you're back in your hotel room you say what what just happened and you're right was the logo behind me did this happen was there music was there not you just you don't you don't remember it uh, so I'm glad that I was able to help and it's four months of preparation for you know ten minutes and you know a flight right. to Vegas and a flight home and, and that's a blur yeah. and that's you, a blur absolutely yeah. And, yeah and you smashed it man it was amazing it was just it's uh, what's really lovely about that show and I try to explain this to you know colleagues or you know whatever who business people or friends about reality TV I said it is probably the most realistic reality TV because unlike a lot of reality TV pardon my French crap that's out there they what you see is what you get they want you to succeed they're not trying to secretly set you up with uh, with a smash thing that they can go right to commercial with this dramatic part. What you see is what you get. Penn and Teller want you to fool them. They want you to succeed. And everybody working on the show, they just want you to feel comfortable. So that was something that I was told before I was on, and I felt that, and I told you too. It's, I understand you being nervous, but don't be nervous, because just they, everyone wants you to succeed. And wasn't it an amazing experience, huh? So what was Penn and Teller's... How did they look at you when you walked out there? Because they gave me a look, and it sounds corny. It was magical, dude. Whatever they did, they winked at me. They smiled. They waved. They did something that immediately just washed yeah. over me. They're my friends. I've known them all my life. Let's rock and roll. Let's have fun. It wasn't with their arms crossed, confrontational. It wasn't any of that. It was yeah. 
Let's so, let's let's have so fun. Something for sure, and something. So I'm. I, I don't know if it's the same for everybody how they they enter, but for the listeners to understand, you're walking out where it's very quiet, and they're just resetting the cameras, and they're talking about what they're going to do. And so for me, when I came out to take my mark, and I'm just taking a breath, taking it all in. And yeah, and they looked up from whatever paper they were doing, they gave me a lovely smile, a little wave, a little wink, whatever it was, and it was just, hey, you know, Jason, nice to see you. And yeah, I'd met them before, I don't know if they remember me or not, or if they, they know me, but as, as a lot of people don't understand, they don't know who's coming out until, the na- until you actually take your mark on the stage. They don't know who the next performer is, so it could be one of their colleagues right there in Las Vegas, or it could be a complete unknown coming in from Europe, they have no idea. But exactly, Wes, what you said, it was... Uh, it was just very nice and warm, and, and that's exactly what they did before they started rolling. And, uh, you know, they get the audience clapping, and then, then Allison, the host, uh, starts doing her thing. So, yeah, it was great. Yeah, I mean, so was Michael Close there with you that year? Michael Close is one of the uh, magic consultants behind the scenes that, that helps out the acts and just makes them feel comfortable. He's a friend of yours. Was he there that year he with is. you? He, he was, yeah, and okay. he... You know, as he said to me, he said, look, Jason, I have no say on who gets on. I have no say who doesn't get on. He said, I'm just there as a consultant. I watch, you know, hundreds, thousands of tapes, and, and, and then they choose who they want. So the only advantage, I mean, obviously, Michael and his, his wife are, 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 are dear friends of ours. They're amazing people. They actually don't live too far away from us. But that's all it was. So I, he had no influence of whether I was chosen or not. Uh, he was just the, the best piece of advice he gave to me, uh, which I also gave to you, is when you go to take your mark and they're just sort of doing the final preparations, it'll be about a minute, minute and a half before they say, okay, you ready? Go. And then they start going. Take a breath. Take it all in because you will not remember what just happened. And even with the breath, I still didn't remember everything that happened. So uh, he was he was just able to, to give me that sort of thought. But I didn't see him. I saw him. I think he emailed me that night afterwards to let me know uh, that um, uh, that he was, um, you know, that, that, that I, I, you know, he thought I did great, and the producers were really happy, and that was it. But he didn't say whether you, you make it or whether you don't make it. Right. So that's because he doesn't know. Again, he has no control over that stuff. So, I mean, did you hang out with him at all, or pretty much probably about the same Not amount I hung out with him? Okay. I saw him once during the rehearsal. Yeah. Okay. And that was it. He is. He's working so hard. Poor Michael. I mean, there's just so much to do. And the year that I was on, I mean, Johnny was still there, but he his health wasn't great. So and Michael had to help, you know, with, with a lot of stuff because, you know, Johnny had to just sort of take it easy. Johnny Thompson, of course, I'm talking about. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, I did, other than the rehearsal, came in, gave him a hug, how you doing, whatever. That was it. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see okay. him again. Since he was your buddy, I didn't know if you guys, you know, grabbed lunch together or hung out, you know, more. I don't know. Yeah. I think that any break that he gets, he just needs to sleep. Yeah. Because he's just working so hard, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah, but thank you. Thank you, dude. I owe you a big hug. Yeah. I, you, yeah, you, sure. you walked me through it. I mean, I didn't know that, you know, when Allison looks up from the commercial that, you know, that was done in post and that the people in the audience don't, don't see anything that night. I mean, you let me on so many little tips and tricks and little secrets behind the scenes. It was like, yeah, I know what to expect. I, I felt... I felt like you walked me through this uh, this course before I went on it, and it really helped me. So, thank you. I can't thank awesome. you enough. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. So, You're and then well. when I and then when I won, I couldn't tell you because I was scared to death because of those contracts. <laughs> so I'm sorry yeah, about absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no problem.
totally cool. Dude, I love you, but I'm scared to tell you if I did good or not. <laughs> I didn't. I, I think I told you. I said I didn't pee on myself. That's all I can tell you. Again, I was very proud of you. Yeah, there you <laughs> But you, you may, you know, I, I wanted to, for the show, I wanted to wear my brown pants, you know, just in case. But yeah. I know I was fine. I wore a blue suit. I was good. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, anyway, so um, you created a magic trick, trick called uh, Space Between, and that's what you did for Penn & Teller. How, how long ago did you create yeah. that? So that was uh, based on an idea from a mentorist performer, uh, also local here to me, a friend of mine named Haim Goldenberg. Uh, and he brought that to me with an idea that he wanted to market it. Um, so it's one of the tricks in my uh, line. My company is Poltergeist Unlimited, which is a play on my last name, of course. Uh, and that trick's called The Space Between. And that trick, huh, i got to look to see what year that came out. I'm trying to remember. Was it 2000 and maybe 2010? Um, you had it in 2012 because I bought it. 2012. There you go. I remember that was a um, that was not my first time auditioning for Penn and Teller's Fool Us uh, for the TV show. I'd auditioned two years before, also with two other tricks of mine, and one I made it to a final round, and then they just changed their mind. And excuse me, the space between the one that I auditioned and got it, um, that was just on a lark. I didn't think that that was uh, was actually going to happen. So uh, that was one of the releases, as I say, that I did. Um, yeah, did you say 2012? Is that when it came out? I'm just looking at the... Uh, no, actually, I just looked it up. It's 2008 is when I released it, but you probably got it in 2008. I bought it from you in I 2012 when I met you. Yeah. There yeah. you go, yeah. Well, I bought that. I bought Third Degree Burn, and I bought I Know. And uh, then you did... Yeah, third Degree Burn. Yeah. What's that, sorry? You did uh, Red Carpet that night at the show, and we can talk about those other tricks yeah. as well. But red carpet, yeah. Just, I think you might have closed your act with that. I mean, that, yeah. I don't know how you could have followed that. That was that was fantastic. So you can tell everybody all about third degree burn. I know and red carpet, but I think you closed the act that night with red carpet. It was fantastic. Yes, I think you're right. I, I close a lot of my shows with that. Um, third degree burn was the first trick uh, that I put out back again, and I think that was two thousand six, two thousand five. Isn't it funny how? This is why, I, years ago, I remember listening to an Elton John concert, and he was talking about how he hadn't sung some of these songs in, in, in so long, and he had to relearn the lyrics. And going, you got to relearn the lyrics? But I sort of understand now, some of this stuff, you just, you just don't remember when you did it. Um, so, Third Degree Burn was the first trick I put out on a lark. Just figured, ah, you know what, we'll see if this, uh, this goes. Uh, let's see if it actually, you know, ends up making it. And it was, it was a bestseller. Uh, it sold tons of units. That was, um, I didn't, I didn't, it was, certainly was not expected. Uh, so what I did is I then followed it up with some other products and, and some other things. Um, well, third degree burn is a, is a blister effect. We got to let the audience know where you can no, have somebody sorry, yes, choose no, a playing card. You take a lighter, wave it over your hand or whatever, and you magically have a blister appear on your pointer finger and your thumb. That would be like a three on your pointer finger and a heart on your thumb or whatever card they chose, just a blister appears. And um, right. yours is the most well-made prop. It's a hidden prop that the audience doesn't see, but yours is will last a lifetime, and it's awesome. Yeah. And it has indicators that help, Thank and it was awesome. It's great. 
It is, and, and it's and just for people who are younger listening, don't want to work with fire, it's fine. You don't even have to use, there's tons of ideas that come with it, so you don't even have to use a, a flame. But it is the only one knock on wood that, uh, there, there's no force, there's no deck of cards. It's, if you're familiar with a card index, it's essentially what it's like. You just walk up to somebody and just say, name a card. And whatever card they named is blistered on your fingers, and, and you can repeat it again and instantly reset. Uh, so yeah, so that's, that's sort of been my, uh, that's sort of what put me on the map of magic trick creation. So uh, yeah, that's what third degree burn is. Um, and then, and you were saying about the red carpet, the red carpet is, uh, it, it, it can be done, you know, sort of in a parlor style, but also stage. Uh, essentially it's just a, um, very quickly the effect is a, a book of celebrities and, and somebody picks whichever celebrity they want. You have a hood over your head. You're going to read their mind and know exactly which one. And, and it's, it's lovely because you actually, well, it's lovely in a way that you fail. So you're left alone standing on stage with a bag over your head. And it's a really, from a performance standpoint, it's a really delicious moment because the crowd is feeling, especially if you, if it's a good crowd, they're feeling bad for you. Because I have people who come up to afterwards and say, oh my God, I feel so bad for you. You're standing on stage with a bag on your head. And then, of course, you, you, there's a surprise twist at the ending where you end up revealing how it is, and it, it, uh, it just brings the house down. Uh, and that's a, a trick in um, what I call my signature series that was based on a, an idea from Ari Soroka, who's a, a very, very dear friend of mine up here um, uh, in the Toronto area as well, and something that he had been doing years before. Uh, and when I met him in 92 and he showed it to me, I actually got shivers because uh, it's so easy, but what you're getting is the routine. What you're getting are all the props to do. Um, but it's just, it's so powerful, so, so powerful. So that was that. Yeah, that's the red carpet. So the ones that I'm probably known the most for in terms of my poltergeist tricks, I would say would be third degree burn, certainly. I still meet people who say that was the first trick I ever bought. And... Um, and they have it, and it's great. They said it's a utility prop I'll use forever. Because it also can be used, uh, it's a wonderful way also to use as an out. So if you, you know, force a card and you can't find it, and you forget what the card is, that can be used as a backup as well. Well, you know, and, and you just quickly transition in, and the card's blistered to your fingers once they name it, or what, whatever it is. So that one, the red carpet, the space between, um, which is the one I did, as I say, on Penn & Teller on Fool Us, those are the ones I'm known for. And also, um, one of my more, uh, my later tricks I've come out with is TURN, which stands for the ultimate random number. Um, and that is a lock trick where there's no force and it is any four digit number, uh, which is named or whatever or you have as a prediction or whatever will open the lock. And it's a nice heavy duty master lock. Uh, so those are the ones I'm, that are, I'm probably known the most for, I would well, uh, I don't know if you have a notebook in front of you, but write down Wes Osley wants one of those. You have a friendship with my wife. You guys talk on Messenger all the time. Christmas is coming. <laughs> my birthday's coming. Uh, I don't have turn. I, I need turn. So you guys could talk off the air about that. I thought you were going to say, oh, my wife also wants a turn lock. I'll say, oh, I'll give you a two. I didn't, I didn't know where you were going with that. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, so uh, do you have anything coming up uh, show-wise that you're excited about? Any any new tricks? You know, any new tricks in the works? Like everyone, unfortunately, during these times that we're on right now, I had a lot of great things coming up uh, in Canada, in the U.S., uh, some stuff in the Caribbean, things pending, and I was negotiating, and everything just died away because uh, we can't travel, and um, there's no live events anymore. 
So that's sort of been that's sort of been put on hold, and it's very frustrating. In terms of magic trick creations, I've got a couple of things in the works. Nothing that I'm wanting to talk about just yet. Uh, yeah, a couple of a couple of ideas. One is a collaboration with somebody as well, and then just uh, just a couple on my own. Too, because I do have some people who will come to me uh, with a trick idea and say, "Look, you know, you've sort of got a, a line on this, and, and and you know how to do this. You've got a name, so they sometimes will ask me to market some stuff for them." Uh, but I've got a couple of ideas on my own, and as I say, one another collaboration that may or may not come together. Still, still just trying to figure it out. Strange times right now, isn't it? Well, we talked. Boy, it must have been January. I don't know when it was, but uh, you had something in. Um and the U.S. for New Year's Eve, is that still on, or did that get canceled as well? Nope. Gone, so. Yep, it yeah. Is, uh, yeah. It's gone, yeah. We discussed that, and it's, uh, it's a shame. I, so I have, have a visa, so I can perform in the U.S., because, of course, I'm Canadian and coming down. And, and uh, But, yeah, everything is just uh, on hold now, as it is for a lot of people. And the travel and uh, all these things, yep. Yeah. It'll get better. We're just, we just have to hunker down. It's uh, very strange times as we're all, what's the, what's the key word now? We're all pivoting uh, to figure out something else to do and, and, and figure out our other stuff. Well, uh, we got Jason Palter live. If you want to book Jason wherever, he's got a visa. He can go wherever he wants. And um, you got Paltergeist, P-A-L-T-E-R-G-E-I-S-T, paltergeist.com if you want to buy one of Jason's magic tricks or just go shopping and see what he's got there. It's got a lot of cool stuff. But um awesome. thank you. You 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 are the man. You're you're a funny dude. I I love hanging out with you. I said uh we got to go we got to go on tour and uh you know the fool us guys get together and and do some theaters. Get this thing rocking and rolling when we open up. That would be very cool. That would be very cool. There was a uh, um plans to do something like that up here and it and uh, with sort of the Canadian a lot of the Canadian performers who've appeared on Fool Us and uh, spearheaded by a couple of guys here in Toronto and it also it just sort of it, it because of what happened with COVID we had to just we had to put it on hold for now yeah but uh, yeah that'd be amazing I've, you and I've also often talked about that of doing the show together um, you know, you, you coming up here, I'm coming down, um, doing a theater show or something uh, together with you. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Well, I think a lot of entertainers are very much uh, worried about having, you know, another magician on stage with them or a competition. And our acts are different, and we're not competition with each yeah. other. There's enough work out there to go around. Um, there yeah, is. It, if, I, if you have that and you're you're guarded and don't want to make friends in this line of work i mean we're the only people we can talk to about crazy stuff like this and the stuff mm-hmm. that goes down and we should be closer together i think yeah and, and especially if it's not um i mean listen if it was two comedy performers or two dove acts or two illusionists eh, maybe you don't want them both on the same bill but you're right you, you and i uh, obviously as friends as well be great but I think our acts and our styles are differing enough that they would certainly complement each other uh, for an audience. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, talking about uh, talking about road stories and everything, that, that brings us right into, we were talking before the podcast about, you know, extra stories or whatever. Tell me some disaster stories. Do you know any uh, yours or someone else's? Just funny road stories or yeah. disaster stories? Yeah. I'm going to tell you one disaster story of another performer that I know because this, I think, 
is one of my favorite disasters. I've got a few disaster stories of other performers I've heard, but this one is one of my favorites. And now, again, this did not happen to me. This happened to another performer who shall remain nameless. Yeah. You're protesting was, too much. You're protesting too much. <laughs> the, the story was he, his girlfriend, was his assistant. And so they were doing the metamorphosis, the substitution trunk. And so for the listeners who don't know, that's where uh, so the, assist, uh, the, the magician gets inside, of, is locked inside of a case. Uh, the assistant gets on top, holds up a curtain, and when she drops it, it's now him on top, and then he undoes everything, he opens up the case, and she pops out, generally in a, in a costume change. So his assistant was his girlfriend, and he had broken up with her, and I can't remember if it's just his, but whatever it was, and he started seeing somebody very quickly. I'm trying to remember the exact details. It was years ago I heard this, and I'm not even sure I remember now that I'm thinking about who this was, but anyway. So he uh, he... What he did is he, he had his girlfriend come into this show where he was going to be performing on live television. Live television. And Uh-oh. he his assistant, who he'd broken up with, she was going to be doing the show. So they'd just broken up probably a few days before. His girlfriend is watching this. So this assistant, who used to be his ex-girlfriend, was obviously not in a very <clears throat> favorable mood. So you imagine, he gets locked inside. He gets up on top. Cameras are rolling. This is live TV for, I don't know, a morning show. She drops the curtain. She, uh, sorry, he, so it's now him on top. He drops the curtain, undoes everything. He opens it up. She pops out in her underwear and bra. Mm. Everything screeched to a halt. And he's looking out to the audience. Can't understand why the camera guys are giving a funny look. And now he turns to look at her. She should have done a costume change. Now, her excuse to him was that I didn't have enough time to put on the new costume. But he, of course, realized afterwards maybe I shouldn't have broken up with her, then had her sit on the show while my new girlfriend was sitting in the audience watching. Right. So that was a huge disaster story that I remember. So wow. a couple oh from me, yeah, crazy, absolutely nuts. And this, this again, if it, if it, I think I'm remembering who it was, but this was years and years ago. He was younger and uh, anyway. Well, do you know the, the story, um, do you know yeah. the story about the Pendragons? You know, they they did the world's fastest metamorphosis, of course. But there's yes. a video yes. on YouTube that a friend of mine shared with me a few years ago where they were doing it at, like, uh, what's the guy's name? Oh, shoot. Captain Kirk. He was the host of the television show. Oh, William Shatner. William Shatner. Shatter. Did you see that skit? Do you remember yeah. what I'm talking about? No, no. So he was hosting it. It was it was one of the grand theaters in Europe in front of the Queen. And uh, the Pendragons are there. And he's William Shatner's talking them up and saying how great they are. When they do the switch, Jonathan's play into the audience and opens up the box to reveal Charlotte and she's pulling the lid down. She won't let him open it up and she just kind of sticks her head out. Her costume, she couldn't put her bottoms on or her, when she changed, her bottoms fell off or ripped or something. No. So it's on YouTube. No. You can see it. So she will only she will only open up the trunk a little bit and stick her head out. Yeah, I'm switched and yeah, I'm here, but she couldn't and she took you the final what? bow and went to the commercial and she's just waving from inside the box. Yeah. Yeah, just oh my god, hilarious! Out. No, I don't know that story. That's fa- that's fabulous. Yeah. So, um, for me, a couple. Of, I mean, I got a few, but a couple of stories. It certainly. So, as I said, I used to be uh, much more into ventriloquism, and as a puppeteer, and many years ago, I was doing a kids' party, and I'm talking. I was maybe 16 years old, 17 years old, not probably not even that old. And there's kids, and so what I do is I the way that I would do it is I would do about half an hour of magic and then end with about 10, 15 minutes of ventriloquism. And I had my ventriloquist figure, and I'm holding on to the, uh, the head stick, 
And as he, he, I used to be able to do something with this particular type of figure. um, When I would wiggle the the, the stick, his head would sort of shake back and forth, and I would make him do a funny noise. It always made the kids laugh. During this one time, his head fell off. (laughs) And I heard this, it was like, I was like a ninja and a Jedi. I heard the snap of the stick. And my, and my head whipped around to look at it as his head's pitching forward and my hand comes up and grabs it and puts it back on. I now turn the stick so his head's now t- towards me because that head would have just rolled into the audience. Oh. And, geez, what's the matter with you? Oh, Jason, geez, I'm not feeling very well right now. Okay, let's go back in the case. Ooh, and close the case up. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some more magic. But could you imagine? I mean, there's not enough years on the therapist's couch that would have helped those kids if they saw that dummy's <laughs> head roll right into the crowd, right? Oh. So that. That was one story that happened to me, I always remember. And then the other big disaster story, so, um, happened, so I just recently got uh, remarried a year and a half ago to uh, to the absolute love of my life, but my first marriage uh, was back in 2000, and of course, obviously, I'm, I'm divorced, um, and three days before that, I was performing in a restaurant. Now, I was a heavy-duty restaurant performer through high school, through university for many years. I was at one restaurant for 12 years, three nights a week. I outlasted six general managers. Um, and at that particular restaurant, this was three nights, uh, three nights or two nights before I was the actual wedding. So for those of you who have been married before, you know that generally your wedding day is a pretty nerve-wracking day. And the days leading up to the wedding day are pretty nerve-wracking as well because there's a lot on your mind. So I was doing a trick called ring flight. And I know you do ring flight, but for the listeners, it's basically a ring vanishes and it ends up generally on your key case, which is in your back pocket. It's a stunning trick. But there are real ring flights and real ring flights, and that's all I'm going to say. The real ring flights, I've heard some disaster stories about. And I had one of them. Because mm. it's two days or three days before my wedding, uh, and the secret something I was supposed to do to make sure the ring was going to appear where it was, I just didn't. And I must have dropped the ring. So I'm going through the routine, mm-hmm. these two lovely ladies at a table who I was performing for, I reach in my back pocket, and your ring, and I open up, and the keys dump out, but there's no ring there. And I go, ah. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, it's just probably in my back pocket. And I reach into my back pocket, and there's no ring there. So now I'm looking around. And I was sort of on the floor, whatever, and my heart is beating a mile a minute, and the women are just laughing out. They think it's all part of the trick. And one of the servers, one of the busboys came up to me. He goes, Jason, what's going on? And at this point, I'm possessed. I go, I dropped the ring. You must help me find it. Right? Like, I'm just <laughs> possessed right now. And he's looking around, and he picks, up, he picks it up, and he holds his hand out, and he says, is this it? So if you can picture a ring with a stone on the top, uh, so picture holding it up uh, uh, by, by the circle part, the ring part, and the stone's on top. Now picture that someone has stepped on it, so now the ring is at a 45-degree angle point. Oh, the no. So, of course, I'm, again, I'm two days away from getting, uh, getting married. I'm, I, I'm already not in my right mind. And I took the ring, and I sit down at the table. I said, uh, ma'am, we've now had what we call a colossal failure. And I remember how I, the part that I almost emotionally lost it was how sweet it was when she looked at her friend, looked at me with this very bewildered look on her face and says, I, it, 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 is this part of the trick? But she actually thought this was, now her destroyed ring was part of it. Wow. And I was, I, I, I just, like, I was 
profusely apologized. And of course, I was, she said, this was a family heirloom. And oh, I, I, my manager came by, what's going on? And I explained, and he, listen, he took care of it. I had just, remember, I was about to get married. I've been doing a lot of jewelry stuff. So I knew that it was an easy fix. And they could fix it, but still, it's, it, it, anyhow, the manager afterwards came to, came to me, he goes, look, you got to keep doing that trick. It was an accident, it happened, um, don't worry, we're going to get it fixed, it's on us. And I think, I mean, it wasn't even very expensive to fix, but I gave the ladies my business card, I said, I I'm, would be shocked if you ever wanted to see me again, but if you do a free show, whatever you want, it is on me. I was horrified, but, and when you and I talked about this, and, and Natalie, you and I talked about this too, is about about the pride that we take in our work as performers and the trust that people put in us when they come on stage, when they book us, when they welcome us into their community hall, when they welcome us into their home. And it's that, that's where I sort of battled with that sort of, that, that guilt and that emotional part of me because here's somebody trusting me with their ring, with their object, with their bill, with their whatever it was. And that was something, it that stuck with me for a while. Um, and so my... My manager had to have the final, the, the last, what he called, laugh on it. So at the actual wedding day, I didn't I had invited him and his his, uh, his partner to come, and he um, saw me in the middle, of, you know, at the show. Hey, Jason, you having a good time? And I said, Yeah. You guys enjoying the wedding? He goes, Yeah. He goes, Oh, one of the guests brought this in, and he reaches into his pocket, and what he had done is just gone to a street vendor, got himself a semi-cheap silver ring, and stomped the crap out of it. He pulls out, puts it in his hand, he goes, here, they just want to know if you could fix this for him. Wow. Um, uh, I was killing myself. It was, it was so funny. It was so funny. So well, that's that what I was thinking. Was a major disaster moment. I was thinking you were going to say it was a cheap uh, cheap ring they got out of a Cracker Jack box, that that's why it cracked or bent so hard. How did it get bent no. like that? If you just dropped it from waist happened, level. Yeah, it just dropped and, and somebody had walked by, didn't even realize it, and just stepped on it. That was all. Someone just stepped on it because, you know, you're walking around. Um, but it was, and, and, you know, I've heard horror stories about the ring flight. A magician's performing it on, you know, on the top deck of a cruise ship. Yep. And it, it oh, drops everything no. into the ocean. It's gone. Are the stone um, flies? Oh, the stone flies out. Exactly. So, of course, I, I'm much more careful since then, excuse me, of doing it. But uh, that was probably one of the biggest disasters. And, again, just sort of the emotional state that I was in right then. I didn't handle it very well. Uh, sorry, I mean, I handled it very well with them, but for myself, it just, it stuck with me for a little bit. Um, but sort of more, um, <laughs> I, I, do, do I have time to tell you one other disaster? Oh, yeah, yeah we got plenty of time. Go for bad. it, yeah. There's just, just some, I mean, just some silly stuff that's happened in the same restaurant. This wasn't a disaster story, but it was just a very sweet story where we know that sometimes just a comment from an audience member, something can just brighten our day. So I was, uh, one of the things that I would say to the, to, to often to people when they were, um, uh, when I was, you know, performing to them is, especially in the restaurant is it's a free trick or it's a free show. Cause sometimes, you know, a magician approaches you in a restaurant, oh gosh, do I have to pay for this? Am I going to have to tip them? And, and you all know, just want to let them know, not to worry. It is, is completely free. So, um, Whatever it was, this was one night I just was not having a great night. Because, you know, sometimes guests can be a little surly and just just things, whatever. It wasn't a great night, but it was a family of four. And the parents seemed to be in a very frustrated mood as well. Uh, maybe it was a full moon that night, I don't know. So at one point in my routine, 
in an effort to try to brighten the mood and maybe inject some more levity in this situation, I jokingly said, hey, folks, would you like to a little bit more, a little bit more trick, a little more excitement? It's free. And the eyes of the youngest family member, the little girl at the table, suddenly grew wide. And, and, and she looked up at me with this big surprise and happy look on the face and held up three little chubby fingers and said, I'm free, too. Wow. As in three, because that's what the kid thought I said. And I just, you just melted that moment. And you know, Wes, we have moments like that. And it's just, a, it's, a, it's a brilliant moment. So that was a, a quick thing. But the, the other, the root. You have a quick story I was going to just tell you. I do a, a trick from a, a good friend of mine, Tom Urisitz. Uh, I, think, I think Tom's in Pennsylvania. Um, and uh, he has a trick called Stuck in Time. Uh, it uses an hourglass. Uh, and a ring appears inside the hourglass. So there was what a spectator was supposed to do when, my, when I wasn't looking. As I said, now look, I'm going to count one, two, three. I just want you to take the hourglass and turn it over on the table. Uh, very simple instructions. So what had happened is that when I turned for the climax to do, and now the ring is going to be in the hourglass or whatever the climax is, it's gone. The hourglass is not on the table anymore. And, you know, for a minute you go, I didn't, you didn't fall, but you didn't hear it shatter. You didn't hear anything on the ground. And she's standing there innocently looking at me, but I realized she wasn't trying to be mischievous. She thought what she was supposed to do was take the ring, the hourglass, turn it over, and just keep it in her hand behind her back. Uh. Uh. So I'm looking around for the climax of the trick, and uh, she and I said, you know, well, ladies and gentlemen, she's just made the you know the whole hourglass disappear. She's here all week. Can I please get another pair of pants? Or, you know, whatever line that I said, and uh, that was that is a disaster story, but it was fun. But it's that moment where a spectator, because Wes, you and I both know. And Natalie, you know, when there's, there's people on stage who are trying to mess the magician up. Right. I had a friend of mine who did a book test. He was going to do a book test reveal for a really bad crowd of rowdy high school kids. And someone stole his pen that he had the cheat notes on. So he, <laughs> he was trying to do it. It's gone. He, he somehow snuck into his case and pulled it out. So here this woman wasn't trying to be mischievous. She just grab it and just that's what she thought she was supposed to do but i always talk about in life what is our takeaway we had a bad experience we had a frustrating experience okay what can we take away from this and often these are gifts that are given to us in in the negative spot if i can talk a little sort of metaphysically here you know universe brings us to our knees so that we can learn in bad times so what was my experience my instructions my verbal instructions now change during that trick so please go ahead, turn the hourglass over, and put it back on the table, and then step away. Right. Very simple, but never would have thought to. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's, uh, that's yeah. a few stories there for you. No, and I have I have Natalie. So I was doing a um, a trick at a trade show where the lady was going to write down anything on a business card, on a stack of business cards, turn it over, put it back on the stack of business cards, and we're done. And Natalie's videotaping. The lady writes her name on the business card. She turns it over and then palms off the business card into her pocket. And Natalie's like, no, 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 no. And the lady's like, <laughs> and she put it back on top of the stack. And I was able to get what I needed to get. And I was able to get the information. But if Natalie had, hadn't have been there, I would have known it was a stalemate. And I'm like, hey, lady, you didn't write anything on this card, you know, <laughs> because yeah, I, I have Natalie is what I'm trying to say. I have Natalie that can, if the audience, if the audience tries to do something behind my back or do something sneaky. She's like, nah, that's not the instructions you got. 
But Natalie, was she was this spectator trying to be mischievous, or she truly just thought that's what she was supposed to do? No, she was trying to be mischievous because she wrote her name and looked up at West to make sure he was still turned around before she took it and put, uh, it, in her, right. put it in her pocket. And yeah. I'm like, hello, I'm standing right next to you, looking at you. You can't, you can't do that. But then that reveal, yeah. that reveal, it, she she was blown away. She had no idea, and you know, she didn't know that that. Which is always nice, right? Oh, which it's is great. always nice when when somebody uh, um, is, is, is they're trying to mess you up. Uh, I had uh, something many years ago, and and you guys will agree. I don't know how many drunk people you've ever performed for in your crowds because I know you do a lot of family shows, but you can't argue with a drunk person. They will always have the last word because they think they're the funniest people in the room. And this was a group of really rowdy adults that I was performing for. Some, it was a, I think it was a very wealthy family, a wealthy group, and uh, just, a lot, just a lot of adults. And a couple of these people were so rowdy. So there's one point where I... It's like the idea of... Uh, Wes, do you do cardiographic... I have three of them, but I've never performed it. I bought one and I got two in collections. Yeah, I've never performed well, it, ever. How many, how many of my turn locks? Is this what you do? You get, what, you get the Natalie to buy other ones. Okay, well, see, uh, he, has to buy so at least, he has to buy at least two of everything because he goes, what if one breaks? What if, how's it going to break when it's sitting on the shelf, Wesley? But, you know, it's... <laughs> it is what it is. I want one for my collection, Thanks. one for the road, and one's a backup. That's simple. It's not complicated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a bad habit we have as, as uh, magicians, for sure. But this was so, so I was, was cardiographic. Years ago, I was doing this. And so but if the listeners uh, for the podcast don't know. So you basically, you're, you're drawing a, uh, a card on a pad of paper, and it's the wrong chosen card. You basically draw dimensions to it so it looks like a deck of cards. And on the pad of paper, there's an animation of the actual card that rises from the middle of the deck of cards. Great. So I'm, I drew the card, and I said, and here's your card. And, of course, it isn't. That's the whole sort of play. It's a sucker trick here with the audience thinks they got you. And one really inebriated, obnoxious woman in the audience yells out, you suck. Oh, oh no. no. Dead quiet. Went dead quiet. And so, you know, comedy magician, what do you say at a point like that? Like, and I just said, gosh, these are memories of growing up listening to my parents talk to me. And, of course, that brought the house down. Everyone started laughing. So then, of course, you, you drew, the, drew the animation, and the card comes out. And now, as the performer, we glance out to the, to the smart aleck in the audience who did that, who's just trying to look all still cool. But, of course, they can't now, right? So, uh, anyway, <laughs> it can be pretty obnoxious. Wow. People. Yeah. Well, the yeah. problem, the problem, uh, drunk people are like little kids. I mean, they, I got you, I got you, nanner, nanner, but they don't have you any yeah. better than a kid has you. The problem with an adult, yeah. they're bigger and they can beat you up. So if you challenge them and make them look stupid, then they want to, they're taking it to another level. Um, I was doing a street festival and I was just doing close up magic. And the guy just looked over at me and said, Good job, man, or Good job, magic man, and reached out to shake my hand. And when I squeezed his hand, he, he pinched two of my rings together, which pinched a nerve in my uh, ring finger of my right hand. Oh, my goodness. And, I mean, it was just – I embarrassed him in front of his girlfriend because I have magic powers. What am I trying to do, hit on his girl? No, I wasn't trying to hit on your girl. I mean, he just took it to another level, and it's like, people, come on. Wow. It's crazy, yeah. man. Yeah, so yeah, I had, I had uh, 
I had to splint my fingers together for like six months because it, it, whatever it did, it, it messed up something. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, danger. That, that, we need danger that's show business. for our work, don't we? That's show business. Yeah, it is show business. But yeah. people, you know, and that's, that's, that's the other thing. When I, Do you still do restaurants at all? I haven't done restaurants in a while. I, I, I got out of it for a bit. I've been thinking about doing it again. Uh, I like it. You know, I say this for uh, new performers out there. Restaurant magic, listen, it doesn't pay that great generally. But what you're doing is, Wes and, and Natalie, are you familiar with when I say uh, muscle memory? Do you know what I mean by oh, that? Oh, 100%. Yeah, Natalie right. went to check on the baby. The she, left. she left. She'll be right back. She went to okay. check on the baby. Oh, okay, gotcha. So the repetition of that. Um so the repetition of what you're doing, the muscle memory to build up how to palm something, muscle memory to remember how to say certain things uh, uh, in a script. So the, the muscle memory of doing the same few routines for table after table after table for two or four hours a night or whatever it is, is one of the best ways to learn. Um, it's amazing. I recommend to any magician that I know for myself, I got my first restaurant when I was about 17 years old. Uh, and I'll tell you, it's one of the things that helped to form my style and personality, which, uh, you know, if you've not seen them, I'm very much improvisational. I ad-lib a lot in my act. I always say the best thing about my show is it's not scripted. The worst thing about my show is it's not scripted. Right. Of course, it's scripted if I have to for a client or whatever, but I'm... One of the things one of the things I'm generally good at is ad living in the moment and just sort of on the fly what has to do and improvise. So but one of the ways I got that was from years of restaurant magic, you're dealing with families, you're dealing with drunk people, you're dealing with a couple on their first date, you're dealing with you know, people who say no, I don't want to see any magic and and all this stuff, it, it's really good. So I, I um I miss it sometimes. I really do. You could do a whole podcast just on restaurant stuff and uh yeah, oh, people oh, sure. at my last restaurant. I mean, the managers are young kids. Uh, you know, I'm I'm the old guy now, and um, when when they're paying me my nightly salary, they're they're like looking at me because it's not a lot of money, and I'm like, yeah, but yeah. I I can't charge two hundred fifty dollars an hour for close up magic unless I have this muscle memory, unless I can go into this law firm yeah. and kill. How do I learn how to kill? I got to be bad somewhere else. You guys are paying me to be bad. I can work on new material here. I cannot work on new material yeah. at that law firm. Um, it's a great, it's a great thought, and that's exactly what it is, Wes. I think you are. This is where you're working your kinks out. Yeah. My third degree burn, uh, third degree burn one, and now I have third degree burn two point out. Uh, Christmas time, Natalie. Write that, that down. I don't have two point I said Christmas time, Natalie. Write that down. I don't have two point you, uh, uh, that, that was all filmed in the restaurant. That's where I developed that trick and the routines that you're doing it over and over again. At that time, I was there three nights a week. What was it, two or three hours a night? I don't even remember what it was back then. Um, and amazing, you know, and Wes, you know, you can hand out your business card, you yep. get a little bit of money, you get regulars coming in to see you. Uh, and it's just, it's a really fantastic way to get over stage fright or talking to people. And you learn, you learn how, uh, to, to talk to people and how to interrupt people, but in a tactful way. I think a mistake, a big mistake that a lot of restaurant performers think is that everyone is there to see them. No, they're not. The, the restaurant survives very well without you. You're a bonus. Right. So remember that, that you're the bonus there. So, uh, um, you know, the restaurant, the food comes first. 
So I would, you know, there's, again, just different techniques I would work to, you know, you have to figure this out because you're in the middle of the climax, you're about to turn over the car, and your sizzling plate of hot pepper suddenly comes to the table. What do you do? How do you deal with that? Because now they turn to look, but now, uh, anticlimactic, what do we do? So this is, this is part of how you learn how to deal with this stuff so that when you're doing sort of your larger shows, you're able to have, uh, have practice for, for those moments. Well, I think that's our next podcast. We'll talk about restaurant experiences because uh, we, could, we could have a whole podcast about Perfect. that. JasonPalterLive.com for the man if you want to hire him. Uh, PalterGeist.com if you want to buy one of his uh, magic creations. What about uh, Facebook, Twitter, any of that stuff? You got any of those you want to plug? Yeah, yeah. So on Facebook, you can find me at Jason Palter Live as well. And again, that's Palter, P-A-L-T-E-R. A lot of people think it's P-A-U-L, but no, it's P as in Paul, A-L, T as in Tom, E-R. Uh, and uh, yeah, so you can find me at Jason Palter Live. Just friend me on Facebook. Uh, I should be doing more on Instagram and uh uh, on Twitter, but I don't a lot. You can find me on Instagram on uh, under Jason Palter Live as well. But that's uh, probably best on Facebook. I seem to be on that more often right now, but that could change soon. All right, dude. Well, thank you so much for being on the air. Hold on one second. I'm going to do the plugs for us, and then we'll get out of here. But thank you for being here, Great. man. You're awesome. We love you, and um, uh, hold on the line. Uh, I love you guys, too. Thanks. Thank Tonight you. on Jewel TV, Episode 8, The Show Must Go On, uh, will air at 7 p.m., it's on Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, the Jewel TV app, and tons of other places. It's in over 100 million households. You can find it. All you have to do is look for it. Thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, we have a lot of cool stuff coming up. So uh, see, see you, you next, next week. week. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Express Copy and Graphics. Mention promo code Wes Isley to get 10% off. Their website is expresscopy.com. That's X-P-R-E-S-S dash C-O-P-Y dot com. They do it all. Copies, banners, signs, vehicle wraps, promo items, practically anything you need printed, they can do it for you. These guys are great. Check them out. Check us out online at WesIsley.com and Patreon.com forward slash Wes underscore Isley. For behind the scenes videos, blooper videos, never before seen footage, discounts on merchandise, Magic Trick Tutorials, and more. That's Wes Isley, spelled W-E-S-I-S-E-L-I.